Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. coming onto the zoom again guys appreciate you making the time even though zoom is just getting really old right all the screens and all the online classes and stuff so just really appreciate you getting on the screen once again and uh, thanks for being part of ruf and i just want to reiterate that uh me, myself, Taylor, Sophie, we just love you guys and we uh, want to know what's going on. So uh, one of the things we love to do is just meet up in some form or fashion, whether it's uh, virtual or in person or outdoors or indoors or uh, whatever. We just want to be, we want to uh, be available to you. We want to know what's up and you know, I say, something I say often in RUF is that uh, no question is off limits in terms of what you're thinking about, we want to talk about, but also uh, you don't have to have a question to hang out. You could just hang out because you want someone to hang out with. And uh, so we want RUF to be about that. And another thing RUF is about is the Bible. And so we uh, look at the Bible each week and this semester we're going through this kind of topical series on the uh, Apostles' Creed, this summary statement of the Christian faith, and uh, it's been, I've enjoyed it a lot, and we're working our way through to near the end now, and tonight we come to this part where we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, and I'm excited to talk about the Holy Spirit uh, through a passage, probably the passage that most kind of says the mo- where Jesus says the most about the Holy Spirit And it's in the context of his final instructions to his disciples. So the Last Supper, the farewell dinner, the farewell discourse in uh, John's gospel, he talks about, you know, he's giving them final instructions before he's arrested and and then dies. And a big part of it is about how he's going to send the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is going to do. So let me read it for us. It's John 14. Verses 15 through 26. So let me read it for us. Uh, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. 
Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Okay, so this is, you know, this is in the context of Jesus' final instructions to his disciples. And I want you to think about that. Like Jesus is getting ready to leave, to go die. And he's spent, he's invested three years of his life with these men. And so what are they going to need to do more than anything? What do they need to hear from Jesus in this moment? And it's kind of obvious, right? He's like, remember what I said, like, listen to me. Uh, remember everything I taught you. Uh, why? Because he's Jesus. He's shown himself to be God. Uh, he knows everything and his plan is the best. But I wonder if you noticed in this passage when you read it, uh, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And a couple different times he says something like that. And uh, I think it can ring a little bit authoritarian in our ears today when we read it. Like, you know, you love me, like, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Like, what is that about, Jesus? And, you know, I think for us, uh, when we hear commandments, we think bad. Uh, and it's what we need to do is turn that and think, you know, commandments coming from God, uh, who knows, uh, are good. Uh, rather than life-draining impositions on us, Jesus' commandments are life-giving instructions, to, or in other words, the key to thriving in God's world. A few of you I know have heard me brag about my Venus flytrap, which is supposed to be my daughter Margot's Venus flytrap, but I'm the only one who cares about it now. I bought it for her for her fifth birthday back when she was into Venus flytraps, and I ordered this Venus flytrap and from Amazon and it arrived and like the instructions were intense and it was like a lot of people can't keep this thing alive. Like you got to follow the instructions uh, to a T. You know, you can't just use any water. You got to use distilled water. You know, it's got to get a ton of sun and it's got to be kept in the special moss. And um, I took that as a challenge. I was like, I'm going to make this thing thrive. And dude, it's been like a year and a half later. Let me tell you this. Uh, it bloomed this summer, like a flower emerged from this Venus flytrap. And I looked it up and it's like, that's a pretty rare thing to happen. And it means you've been treating it like exactly the way it's supposed to be treated. And it was like, once it blooms, like it's going to die. It uses so much energy to bloom that unless it's in like the perfect conditions, like it will die after it blooms. And mine is still alive like six months after it bloomed. And I'm like feeling so good about that. And the reason why is because like I'm meticulous about the care of this Venus flytrap and giving it exactly <laughs> what I've been instructed to give it. And Jesus's commands are like that. They create the exact conditions to thrive in God's world. Uh, so you can see why uh, commandments are related to love. All right, so uh, we have a problem, though, because we've already broken Jesus's commandments. And now we have this condition called sin that makes us actively distrust him. So it's not just that like there's these commandments and we got to keep them, but it's like we don't like the commandments. We distrust him. 
uh, and our hearts need to be changed so that we do trust him instead of running from him uh, so that we keep commandments even when it goes against our instinct uh, because we need to live. Um, we need to listen to him, but we're resistant. And uh, for us, obeying feels risky. It feels like, you know, it's probably not going to help me to obey God. It uh, doesn't seem like a good path to go down a lot of the time. Uh, I'm watching this show called Fargo, which is based on the movie Fargo, and they made this show of it. And uh, there's all these seasons of it, and I've seen a couple of them. And each season is kind of standalone, so you could pick a season. But each season starts with like kind of just a normal person getting into big trouble, like doing something uh, crazy, and then the rest of the season is them trying to recover. So like in this in the second season, uh, this woman runs a guy over in the road. But it's in this remote place, so no one sees. And she doesn't know what to do, so she panics. And she just, like, drives home with this guy's dead body in her car. And gets home to her husband, and they're like, oh, like, they've already... So that's already a crime, right? You can't just, like, hit and run someone. And so now they have to hide the body. And so they hide the body. But the problem is, like, the cops are onto them. Plus, this guy was a murderer. And so there's these organized crime people onto them. So now they have to get rid of the body. And they commit, like, crime after crime after crime. And it just gets, like, the situation is a bigger and bigger mess uh, because they won't just give in and be like, this is what we did. We're sorry. Uh, You know, how can we make this better? Uh, instead, they just dig the hole deeper and deeper. And that's really a picture of us trying to live without God. It just never gets better until we surrender to him and start to obey, to keep his commandments. And so that's what Jesus tells them at the Last Supper. He says, uh, I taught you what you need to know. You need to listen to me. It will feel backwards, and yet you still need to do it. Uh, But instead of leaving it at that, Jesus goes further, and he says this. He says, but I'm coming with you. I'm actually going to give you my spirit to help you. I was reading about skydiving this week. Any skydivers up in this uh, Zoom tonight? Anybody want to skydive someday? I do not want to skydive at all. I have no interest in it. And, uh, but I was reading about it. And if you want to like be a sky, like if you want to have a skydiving license, like the most basic license you can get, uh, first you have to go to ground school. So you got to like sit through this like long class where they just teach you everything uh, you need to know about skydiving. But then to get your license, you have to do a series of 25 jumps with a coach or with an instructor of some kind. Uh, Because if you just took the class and then like we're told like, go ahead, jump, like you, would you feel comfortable with that? Uh, I don't even want to skydive ever. So I I wouldn't feel comfortable. Uh, And so they make you go 25 times with an instructor uh, to make sure you know what you're doing. And in the same way, Jesus doesn't just save us and leave us on our own to figure the rest out and learn to obey, but he comes with us. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if you're like me, but I I often forget about the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus is memorable, 
uh, the Father, you know, God the Father is God the Father, and uh, the Holy Spirit is often called the shy member of the Trinity, uh, the one that we can easily forget about. And if you find it daunting to think about a lifetime of following Jesus, trying to obey, submitting yourself to his will, uh, doing what he wants, uh, you need to know about the Holy Spirit. So I just want to spend a little time, you know, thinking about what do we need to know about the Holy Spirit that's going to help us? And just have a few quick things. So the first thing is that the Holy Spirit is a he. It's not an it. Uh, if you grew up with Star Wars like I did, it's hard. You know, this is the part that's kind of hard to, <laughs> like, I think I naturally gravitate toward this idea of like, oh, the Holy Spirit is this like force, you know, like an it. Uh, and forgetting that the Holy Spirit is a person. It's a he. He is a he. Um, you can interact with the Holy Spirit. You can know the Holy Spirit. You can grow in your relationship with him. Uh, you can begin to become like him as you come to know him and his work in you. So, you know, as you think about the Holy Spirit, uh, do you relate at all to the Holy Spirit? Uh, are you remembering his work in you? Uh, are you remembering his presence with you? Uh, so the Holy Spirit is a he. He is a knowable he. Uh, but the Holy Spirit is also God. Uh, this is a big deal for the disciples in this passage, right? Because they don't want Jesus to go away. Like over and over, the disciples are like, Jesus, don't leave. Like you can't leave. And we get that, right? Like if you knew Jesus, like if you saw him face to face, you wouldn't want him to leave either. And Jesus tells them in other places, like, it's better uh, that I leave because I can send the helper. I can send, uh, verse 16, he says, you know, him and the father are going to send another helper. And what you need to know about that is that word, another helper, like another is a specific, like there's, there's another meaning like a different type, but this is the another, that's the sense of like, like us. You know, another in the sense of like the father and me are going to send another helper. And the implication is the helper is like us. It's like father and son. Uh, the Holy Spirit has the same essence as Jesus. And he'll now be with them forever. Uh, so this, this Holy Spirit will actually be more present than Jesus could be. Uh, because Jesus in his ministry on earth could only be in one place at one time. Uh, the Holy Spirit will be everywhere that Christians are. Uh, and we see that, uh, thirdly, he lives in his people. Uh, in verse 23, there's this other Judas, not the Judas that betrayed Jesus. Uh, and he says, uh, he asks Jesus this question. And, and Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Uh, I want you to think about the Holy Spirit making his home uh, with you. Uh, what this is saying is that if you are a Christian, then the Holy Spirit is in you. It's something that's really important and really easy to forget. I want you to think about like when someone comes over, maybe your parents are like this, or maybe you're like this. Like when someone important comes over to the house, what do you do? You clean up. You know, we don't have that many people over in my house these days because of COVID. So like when like repair people come over, my wife Maggie's like, let's clean up the house. Like let's make it look good for these like random construction dudes or like repair guys. Uh, just because there's this instinct that like when someone's coming over, 
Uh, you want the place to look nice, usually, if you care about them. And if it's someone you really care about, uh, you make plans. You're like, what are we going to do together? Uh, how are we going to spend the time? How are we going to make it uh, special? And, uh, you know, if you're aware that the spirit has come to take up residence within you, uh, it should ch- change our life. Uh, what it means that the spirit has come to live with us is that we're invited to relate daily with the spirit, uh, to make our life about life with the spirit. Uh, I wonder how would your behavior change if you were conscious of his presence with you? Uh, if you were conscious of the fact that he was present with you in everything that you do, every place that you go, uh, while you browse the internet, while you sit in a class, while you hang out with friends, uh, in all of your thoughts. Um, Because that is the truth that this passage reveals. And it's a little frightening, right? Uh, But it's actually really good news. uh, Because the Holy Spirit, second to last, is he's he's the spirit of truth. Uh, In verse 17, Jesus calls him the spirit of truth. And for us, that means a couple of things. Uh, First of all, it means in, in verse 26, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will help these disciples remember all that he taught them. I wonder if you caught that. He's like, the Holy Spirit is going to help you guys remember all that I taught you. And that's significant because these are the guys that are going to, that are going to start the church and write the Bible. Like, write, They're going to write the New Testament. And what this is saying is that the Holy Spirit is how they're able to do that. Like, How can they write down and remember all these events that happened in Jesus' ministry? People like John who wrote this. Uh, the answer is the Holy Spirit will guide you. The Holy Spirit will help you remember. Uh, And so what it means is that the Holy Spirit is not only about the heart and the feelings that we have, but the Holy Spirit is about all of us. Um, Part of how we connect with the Spirit is with our heads, actually, Uh, through thinking, uh, reading the Word and thinking about it. Uh, It's one of the reasons that we're big on studying scripture and RUF, because we believe that through the word, which was written ultimately by the spirit, that's how we connect to God. Uh, We connect to the spirit through reading the word. Uh, So it's a big deal. And, uh, you know, that's why we push the word on you guys. That's why we want you in a small group. That's why we want you uh, reading the Bible on your own and talking about it. Uh, but the other part of Jesus tell, being, or of the Holy Spirit being the spirit of truth is that he's in charge of making the truth not just sit in our heads, but come alive in our hearts. Uh, moving from our head to our heart, to our core. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, who was a Connecticut uh, church leader way back in the day, um, really influential pastor for that time, uh, 1700s or so, talked about how there was a difference between, you know, you can know that God is gracious and kind and merciful and loving, or you can really know it, like experientially at your core. And he used this analogy of honey. You know, I could tell you all day that honey is sweet and talk about the sweetness of honey, Uh, But you really need to taste honey. You need to taste the sweetness to really know it. And that's what the Holy Spirit is about, is making you taste 
God's goodness at your core and not just knowing it in your head. And part of the way the Spirit does that is through all the ups and downs of life. You know, I talk to you guys about various things pretty often, and I know that for a lot of you, uh, these are times of trials, even now. And part of what is going on with trials and hardship and things that are, you know, the ups and downs of life is that the Spirit is working behind the scenes uh, to make God's goodness shine. Uh, You know, sometimes the hard parts of life are meant to awaken in us a sense of our need for God and His beauty in the midst of all that's dark and all that's not beautiful that we see. Uh, So He's the Spirit of truth. Uh, But finally... And kind of most, you know, poignantly in this passage, uh, he's called the helper. Uh, both at the beginning of the passage we read and the end, verse 16 and 26, he's called the helper. And in, I don't know if you have a different Bible translation, that word might be different. Uh, it might be translated comforter or maybe counselor in some, because it's this Greek word that's tough to translate, which is parakletos from this verb parakaleo and Uh, You can kind of break it down and para, there's a lot of words that we know in English that start with para and it means alongside. And kaleo means to call or maybe prod or urge on. And so uh, the picture, you know, you can see why it's a help called a helper or comforter, uh, but it's someone alongside you prodding you on. And so, you know, in my view, like maybe the best translation would be like a coach, Um, The Holy Spirit is kind of like a coach. And my favorite coach these days is my boy Dan Hurley, the men's basketball coach at UConn. Uh, I wonder if you know anything about Dan. Dan Hurley, I have a man crush on Dan Hurley. This guy is just, he's from New Jersey, which I'm from New Jersey. And uh, Dan Hurley is like, what makes him great, like he gets these guys motivated on the team. And the team's really good this year. And part of what he does is like, he steps onto the court more than any coach in college basketball. Like he's way out on the court, like talking to his players throughout, like he's running around and he's animated and emotional. And like, he celebrates with the team, uh, like chest bumping them. And he's just a really fun coach to watch. And he's just out there. Like part of why he's so successful and why he's building this good team (laughs) is that he's prodding his team onto victory and like, you know, last year, the, t- the season was kind of rough and they lost some tough games. And but after the games, he was just like, you better get us now, man. Like <laughs> next year, it's over. And he was right. Like we're so much better this year. And it's because he's prodding them, uh, this team toward victory. And the spirit is the same way. Uh, so when you think of Holy Spirit, just think Dan Hurley um, prodding us toward, first of all, God's mission. Uh, God wants to use you for his glory. Uh, He wants your friends to come to know him through you. Uh, You know, when you open up a Bible with a friend, like he is going to work. Uh, When you invite friends into this community, which is what we're all about at RUF, like the Holy Spirit's going to work because we're opening up the word. And that's the Holy Spirit's word. Uh, When we invite friends into this community, he's going to work. Lives will be changed and the world will come to know Jesus and brought into his kingdom through people like us that have the Holy Spirit because he's in you. 
He can use you and he's not limited by your shortcomings whatsoever. Uh, So he prods us toward his mission to get on board with what he's doing, but he also prods us toward holiness. This is a big deal. The Holy Spirit prods us toward holiness. And I got to tell you guys, when I was your age, I despaired of ever being holy. You know, I just viewed myself, I could just see how far short I fell of uh, what Jesus wanted for me and all these moral failures that were just always present in my life. And I would just thought, you know, this is miserable. I hate this. It's miserable. Um, because I thought it was on me to make myself holy and I was failing over and over again. And the truth is, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you cannot but become holy. You know, it's not like Jesus died to save you and now you're on your own to become holy. Uh, instead, it's like, no, you got, the, you got the spirit with you. You're strapped to the instructor for the skydive. Like, you're going to land. You're strapped in. The Holy Spirit is in you. Um, sometimes he'll make you feel very convicted about your sin. That's part of what he does. And it's to move you toward holiness. Uh, Sometimes he'll actually help you to remember the truth when you've forgotten. You know, like he can work in that way where you just, you know, happen to remember like, oh, this is what I got to be doing. This is what's true. Uh, Sometimes he'll arrange the circumstances of your life to bring about the exact outcome that he wants from you, for you. And the good news is you failing isn't going to stop him. He's God. And he's in you. Like, you think God is going to fail to make you holy? Like, it can't actually happen because he's God. If you're a Christian, then he's in you. Uh, If you're not a Christian or maybe you're on the fence about some of these ideas, uh, you need to have him. You need to know that all of history is about this, about God being with us forever and us becoming who we were always meant to be. And it's just free. All you have to do is surrender to Jesus. Uh, So I just want to close by asking you, are you discouraged tonight? It's a discouraging time of year, I know. There's a lot of discouraging things going on in the world and I'm sure in your life as well. And if that's you, don't forget about the Holy Spirit. Don't forget that the victory has already been won and that if you belong to Jesus, then God is with you. He's in you. Uh, You cannot lose him. And he's going to make you holy. He's going to make you exactly who he wants you to be. Uh, Let me close in prayer. Uh, Father, we desperately need uh, to know uh, your presence with us through the Spirit. Holy Spirit, we pray uh, that I pray for this group that we would know uh, something more of your presence with us, your tangible presence uh, guiding us, encouraging us, convicting us of sin, making us holy. Uh, Would you encourage this group tonight? Uh, Would you strengthen us for all that lies ahead? Uh, Would you uh, make us holy, make us like you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.